0: 1 Kings. We're going to finish 1 Kings tonight. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 22 is where we'll be looking at. We've been dealing with this guy by the name of Ahab. And if you remember last week, uh, Ahab uh, had a house in Jezreel and he wanted a vineyard next door and Naboth wouldn't give it to him or wouldn't sell it to him or wouldn't trade him for it. So his wife Jezebel had Naboth killed and he was cursed for that, but he also repented and there was a few years of... uh, of uh, peace there in his life, but yet the, the judgment from the Lord on him was just kind of delayed. It wasn't taken away. As we pick up in chapter 22, we're going to look at verse 1 tonight. Just follow along with me as I read through here. Now, three years passed without war between Syria in Israel. Remember, Israel and war, Israel had been at war with Syria. Ahab, the king of, of Syria, was Ben-Hadad. God had given uh, Israel a tremendous victory over Ben-Hadad, and Ahab had neglected to utterly destroy his enemy, Ben-Hadad. Instead, he let him live, and Ben-Hadad had made some promises to Ahab. Remember what they were? He said, I'll give you back all the stuff my father took from you. I'll reinstate those cities. I'll reinstate those things that we took. We'll, we'll give them back to you. And that's going to come into play here in a little bit. So rather than utterly destroying his enemy, and we talked about how that's for us too. We need to make sure, not our physical enemies, but our spiritual enemies. We need to make sure there's not that festering enemy in our, in our spiritual life that we're allowing. That sin in our life. It represents sin. We need to utterly destroy that. So rather than utterly destroying that, um, Ahab kind of let ben Had go. He, he showed him mercy instead of wiping out like God had wanted, and God had condemned him for that. God had said, I told you, it's not what I told you to do. I told you to wipe wipe, uh, Ben-Hadad out, and then you would, then he would have the cities back, and now we're going to find out, well, Ben-Hadad didn't really do what he said he was going to do. Surprise, surprise, right? So let's look at verse two. And the king of Israel said to his servants, oh, wait, I didn't, oh, I'm sorry, that's verse three. Then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. Remember at this point, the nation Israel is split into two kingdoms. You have the northern kingdom, which is the, the ten northern tribes. The southern kingdom is known as Judah. It's the two southern tribes. Judah and Benjamin, are they making up the southern kingdom. So now we have peace between the two. Jehoshaphat is on his way down to visit uh, the king of Israel, which is Ahab. And remember, although... although the king of Israel would have been in Samaria, which was north of Jerusalem. It's always considered down because Jerusalem is the higher point. So they're up on the mountain, so he's going down, although he would be traveling north. Now, does anybody know the relationship on, on how, why they're friends at this point? Does anybody know what it is? Well, Jehoshaphat, who's a pretty good king, by the way. If you read his, hist- his, hist- his history and the things that he accomplished, he, he, get a lot, he gets a lot of accolades in, uh, in Chronicles uh, for, for the things that he did. He's a pretty good king. But he did make a mistake. What he did was he had his, uh, his son, marry the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. So that's his downfall. So now he's off to see his in-laws. That's where he's headed, down, down, down off the mountain in Jerusalem, down into Samaria to visit King Ahab. So Jehoshaphat's down there, King Ahab's down there. And then in verse 3, the king of Israel, that's Ahab, said to his servants, do you know that Ramoth in Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. The king of Syria was Ben-Hadad. And this makes me want to scream at him. Because if you had done what God told you to do, you would already have the city that belongs to you. But he doesn't. He didn't do it now. He hesitates. So Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight at Ramoth, Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are. My people is your people. My horses are... Are as your horses. My house is your house. Mikasa, Sukasa type thing there. Also, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Now, I want you to notice something. There is a problem in the nation of Israel. And the problem is that they don't possess the city that belongs to them. And they want to possess the city that belongs to them. Uh, Ben Hadad, the king of Syria, had promised to give them the things that belong to them. But now, because because uh, Ahab didn't follow what God had told him to do now there's a problem in his kingdom or in his life listen when you don't obey God there's going to be problems that come from that there's going to be circumstances that could have otherwise been avoided if you had just been obedient to what God had said or God tells you to do in his word oftentimes we want to make compromises to the word of God in our culture by not obeying and saying it's not relevant today but yet what do we find that when we do that, the problem arises. There's a problem that follows it. There's something that goes along with it. God's word. If if you choose disobedience to God's word, you can expect that the some problem. Not all problems in life are a result of disobedience. And please don't think I'm saying that. But there are some problems that I'm, are going to be a result of that. If I choose to disregard God's word and I go over to Martin's and I steal. Well, I like crabs. So if I steal some king crab legs, and I walk out of there and get arrested and find myself in jail. That problem is a direct result of me disobeying God's word, right? Not to steal. Can I, can I look at God and say, God, why how how come I I was just hungry? I didn't how come I didn't get away with this? I can't do that. The problem is me. I disobeyed what God told me to do. Had I listened, I wouldn't be in this situation. Same thing with him. Had Ahab followed God's direction, he wouldn't be in the situation he's in. But I like Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat says here in verse 5, said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. When you find yourself at a problem in life, at a situation in life, it's always good to inquire of the Lord. Lord, is this something I've brought on myself? Because sometimes you can think that it's not your fault and you want to blame it on everybody else or everything else or your circumstances or whatever. And then if you inquire the Lord, He might just say, well, you brought this on yourself. It's your problem. Now I'm going to help you through it. I'm going to walk with you to get through it. I'm going to show you what I want you to do from here on out. But he wants you to come to that place of repentance where you go, Lord, I didn't realize. I didn't realize I was being disobedient to your word. I, I didn't realize I could have avoided this whole situation had I, had, I not, had I just followed what you told me to do. Lord, forgive me, forgive me. And then he'll help you out of it. But Jehoshaphat's heart is, hey, let's go ask God what to do. Listen, before we go up there and fight, you know, we're buddies, we're, we're in-laws. You know, my people are your people. My house is your house. Before we take off to fight the enemy, let's see what God has to say. Let's go talk to God about this. So verse uh, six, then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men. And he said to them, shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight or shall I refrain? So they said, go up for the Lord will deliver you into the hand, will deliver, deliver it into the hand of the king. Go up for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. Now, 400 guys get together and, they, and, and Ahab says, All right, guys, what do I do? They're, you're the prophets. What, 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 I need the word of the Lord. And all four of them, 100 of them, are going to say the same thing. Go. You're going to get victory. Go on up there. But notice what Jehoshaphat says in verse 7. He says, Is there, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? What's, what's Jehoshaphat see going on? Wait, 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 wait a minute. Ahab, all these 400 guys, they're just going to tell you what you want to hear they're not 400 prophets of the Lord, they're 400 prophets of Ahab. In other words, they're going to prophesy what Ahab wants to hear. And that's pretty, pretty insightful. You know, it's a word of wisdom for, for, for Jehoshaphat to say, wait, wait, isn't there a prophet of the Lord? Now, I don't think for a moment that these are, I think these are false prophets of the Lord. I don't think they're prophets of a false Lord or a false God. I think they're prophets who are supposed to be prophesying the word of the living God. Remember, uh, the, all the prophets of Baal have already been killed, you know, but, but and now, now Ahab has this group of people, they're kind of like, yes, man, yes, man, they're just going to tell him whatever you want, whatever, all right, whatever you want to do, king, go ahead, and we're going we're to do it that way, and Jehoshaphat says, no, 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 wait a second, we got to talk to somebody who knows the Lord. We go, this isn't the word of the Lord, I, I've seen the word of the Lord, this is not the word, this, this is a bunch of nonsense here, let's get somebody who's got, isn't there anybody They can give us the word of the Lord? And Jehoshaphat uh, said, uh, is there still, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? And verse 8, so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, well, there is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. (laughs) Why? Because he does not prophesy good concerning me but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. Now, isn't this interesting? Now, we know from later scriptures that, that Micaiah is probably in prison. He's probably locked up at this point. Uh, at least most commentators suspect that he is. And as Jehoshaphat, uh, challenges Ahab, he goes, isn't there anybody? He goes, yeah, there's one, but I don't really like him. Matter of fact, I hate him. Why don't you, why do you hate him? Well, he doesn't tell me what I want to hear. Basically, He doesn't tell me, he, yeah, he might tell me what God says, but he doesn't tell me what I want to hear. And I'm not interested in what God says. You see, that was Ahab's heart. He didn't really want the word of the Lord, did he? He wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. He wanted, if he wanted to go to battle, he wanted to hear go to battle. If he wanted to stay home, he wanted to hear stay home. He wanted to be the one controlling the prophets. So the 400 prophets that he had were not God's prophets. They were Ahab's prophets. And they were going to tell him. Now, this brings us to something. When you have a problem, it's very good to inquire of the Lord. But we see there's a couple of different ways to inquire of the Lord. It's possible to superficially inquire of the Lord. In other words, Lord, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do, and I just want you to put your stamp of approval on my plans. I'm going to tell you how I want my life to go. I'm going to tell you how I want things to play out in the next six months, the next six years, the next six weeks, whatever it is, or the next six hours. And I, want, and I expect you just to go right along with it and stamp it approved, and then I, w- then I can say that I've heard from the Lord, and we can move forward with this. That's not really inquiring of the Lord, is it? You see, when you really inquire the Lord, it's, it's a true inquiry. It's, it's you going before the Lord saying, Lord, I really need to know what you want me to do in this. It's okay to have a, have a direction that you want. It's okay to say, I really hope that the Lord moves this way or the Lord leads this way or the Lord directs in this, in this situation to this side or to that side. But you have to be set on the fact that I'm going to follow what he wants. I'm going to, I'm going to make the decision that I'm going to be obedient to what he says. You see, if you're not really inquiring, he's not really going to answer you. If you're just looking, if you're just saying, God, will you stamp my plans and you don't you don't need my approval but go ahead you have a free will you can choose and do what you want to do and that's what Ahab's doing so much so that he's he's made it look like this whole religious event i've got 400 prophets that all say the same thing there's a message there too just because everybody says it's true doesn't necessarily mean it is does it he's got 400 prophets going go you're going to get victory from the lord and then Jehoshaphat says no 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 i'm not hearing from these guys you go get a real prophet lord don't you have one? Well, yeah, but I don't like him. I hate him because he doesn't tell me what I want to hear. Well, go get him anyways. And that's where we pick up. And the king of Israel called an officer and he said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imla, quickly. Before the others changed their mind, probably. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, sat each on his throne at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. So here they are the kings they 're all in their royal robes they 're sitting at the entrance gate, and that day the gate of the city was where judgment was passed down. It was kind of the gathering place they got their royal robes on, and all the prophesy all the, all the prophets are doing what they 're prophesying they 're all preaching their best possible messages to why Ahab should go on up to war against, uh, against Syria and take this city back they 're all giving him their best message possible now look at verse eleven now Zedekiah, the son. Of China had made horns of iron for himself. And he said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Now here's Zedekiah, he's one of the prophets. He comes to give his message to the king, only he's got props. He's he's got something to keep them entertained. He's got something to show them. I'm going to show you how it, I've got these horns of iron that I've created. This is my prop. And he's going to tell them, you're going to win by these horns of iron. Again, the problem with this is these are just people who are going to tell him what he wants to hear. But do you know that in our culture, there are Christians today who will do the exact same thing. They will go to a church that's going to tell them what they want to hear. They don't really necessarily want to hear what the Word of God is. They don't want to hear the Word of God prophesied to them or taught to them verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and how it applies to their life. They just want to hear, well, something that's going to make them feel good. They don't want to be convicted by the Word of God. They just want to know, they just want God's stamp of approval on their life. They just want to say, well, I'm a Christian, therefore I can, I went to church, I'm good, everything's okay. This is kind of the same thing. The preacher with props who will just tell you what you want to hear, that's like Zedekiah. He's, he's just telling. And not, props aren't bad, by the way. I, I don't. Ha, I didn't. I should have found some horns to bring in. I could have used them, but props are fine. But the message is what needs to be concerned with. Is is the message really from God, or is it a message from somebody's opinion? Is the message? Is it? Is it just? You know, is it? Do you have itching ears, and you just want to hear what you want to hear? Or do you really want to hear what God says? The messenger. Now he goes. Verse thirteen. The messenger who had gone to call Micaiah stood, spoke to him, saying, "Now." Listen, the words of the prophets, with one accord, they're all together on this, they encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. So this is the this is the prepping, if you will. You know, they go to get him you can just see him dragging him out of prison somewhere, you know, he's all dirty and he's probably hasn't had a bath or a shower, and here he is, and now here comes the messenger goes, Listen, all right, all right, all right, here we go, Micaiah, listen. Everybody else has said for the king to go to battle. So just would you please say the same thing? You know, let, let's, just, let's just all get along here. Why do we have to fight over this? You know, let's, just, let's, let's not create differences. But Micaiah says this in verse 14. He says, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. The preacher who will preach God's word, whether you like it or not, is the one that you want to hear from. You see, who's really... Who's really Ahab's friend here? Micaiah, because he's going to tell him what God's word is. He's going to t- he goes, listen, I'm going to share with you, I'm going to tell you whatever God tells me to tell you. But that's not what Ahab likes. Because every time Micaiah came out, what happened? He was convicted. Ahab was convicted. Ahab heard the word of the Lord, and Ahab's lifestyle was challenged. And Ahab, every time he said something to him, he found himself convicted. And and Ahab didn't really like that. He just wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. So he hired prophets, and he paid them, and they told him exactly what he wanted to hear. But Jehoshaphat caught on, and he says, go get Micaiah. Let's see what Micaiah has to say. And they tried to even sway him. Well, Micaiah, come on, there's 400 people. There's got to be a, you know, they, they all can't be wrong, Micaiah. Just say it. Micaiah says, no. As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. In other words, Micaiah says it's more important that I honor the Lord with my mouth than I honor men with my mouth. And if, in other words, he's saying, if you're going to throw me back in prison, if you're going to cut off my head, whatever you're going to do to me, you're going to do to me, but I'm going to die being obedient to God. And I'm going to speak the truth, exactly what God says to me, and I don't care. Oh, we need that in our churches, don't we? So what if people quit coming? So what if it turns people off? So what if, it, if they don't want to hear the message of the truth of God's word? So what if they don't want to hear the lifestyle that they're living is sinful? So what if they don't want to hear the decisions they're making are wrong? We need that as Christians. And if you really want to hear God's word, you'll make sure you're in a place, and we're not the only one, there's lots of churches that do it, but you'll be in a place where they're teaching God's word to you, not teaching man's opinion to you, or not teaching, teaching psychology to you, or teaching you, they'll be teaching you from the scripture exactly what God's word is and how to apply it to your life. So Micaiah says, listen, I'm going to say whatever God wants me to say. You've got to believe the messenger's going, oh boy, we've done this before. Micaiah, don't you remember what got you in prison in the first place? Come on, Micaiah, let's go. This is going to be fun. So verse 15, they came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain? And he answered him. Go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. Now, if we stopped right here, you'd go, okay, great, Micaiah's with them, you know. Micaiah's fantastic. We've got a unanimous decision. But if you read the next verse, you see what Ahab says. So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So what's that tell us? It tells us that Micaiah has a sarcastic side. It tells him, he said, yeah, go ahead and go to war, Ahab. You're going to prosper. You go on up there. Go ahead. And that's probably just how he said it. You go ahead, Ahab. You go ahead. You got it. This is Go ahead, buddy. You got it. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Go on. And then Ahab says, Micaiah, knock it off. I want to hear the truth of God's word. All right? You want to hear the truth of God's word? Then he said, verse 17, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as the sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. In other words, he's saying Israel is defeated and Ahab is dead. That's what he's he's prophesying there in verse 17. And then verse 18, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, See, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? (laughs) So... (laughs) You can just see this play. It's, it's comical the way it plays out. So Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat, as, as Micaiah says basically, that you're, yeah, go on, go, you're going to war. In other words, he's saying, I'm already seeing you dead into the future. And then he turns, Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat and goes, look, I, just, I told you he always, proph- he's, he's always so negative. He's always prophesying bad against me. See, this is, this is what I'm up against. This is why he's in prison. Now, he doesn't say that, but. Where did I leave off? Verse 19. Then Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. Now, before we read this, you got to, I figure it this way. I figure that after verse 18, Ahab says to Micaiah, or something to this effect, how could 400 prophets be wrong and you be right? How is it that there's 400 people telling me go to war, and you're telling me if I go to war, I'm going to end up dead? How, how is that, Micaiah? 400 people have to have it right, don't they? And if you think about that question, Micaiah is going to answer it. He's going to tell him how. Then Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up, that he may fall at Ramoth-Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in this manner. And then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I'll go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all, notice whose prophets, his prophets, And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail, go out and do so. Interesting. What we have pictured here is a picture in the heavenly realm. We have the Lord up there and then it says in verse 19, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. This is Micaiah saying, I saw this and all the hosts of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. That includes, and I believe here we're speaking of both. Good angels and bad angels. Both angels that are still serving the Lord and fallen angels that are now serving Satan. Do you know that heaven is still accessible to fallen angels and to, demonet, to demons and even to Satan himself? We see that in the book of Job. Read the first chapter of Job and you'll see Satan going before the Lord. So what we see taking place here, when it says on the right hand, that's a place of favor. It's referring to those that are in favor and those that aren't in favor. So it's probably here all, all of the angels, all of the spirits, all the, both, both good, the heavenly, as well as the demonic here. And then the Lord says something rather interesting. He says something, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may, that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? You say, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like a very loving God. Wait, wait, do you, b- before we accuse the Lord of being unloving here, do you think for a moment that Ahab is really seeking the heart of the Lord here? Not at all. Don't be fooled and think that Ahab is really trying to deserve the Lord here. Ahab is entertaining Jehoshaphat by bringing Micaiah up and has no intention of doing what the Lord said. He has his own 400 hired prophets that are going to tell him exactly what he wants to hear. He's already been condemned twice by the Lord. Last week we saw him killing uh, uh, Naboth for his vineyard. And his entire family, his wife Jezebel, did that. But I don't believe for a moment that Ahab is going, Lord, I really need your direction here. I need your guidance. Should we go up and take this city back or shouldn't we? Yeah, I know you told us to kill Ben-Hadad and I didn't. Forgive me. Uh, Lord, just give me direction. That's not what we see at all. Don't think for a moment that, that Ahab is truly seeking out the will of the Lord here. And as he's seeking out, uh, Micaiah is showing him what's taking place. But doesn't it speak of God's sovereignty? How much control God really has. God says, okay, I'm about done with Ahab. I've, I've given him a three-year reprieve over the Syrians. I'm going to, that judgment that I said was coming, it's coming. So I need, I need one of you guys to go down and, and, and uh, get him to go up to war. How, how are you going to do it? And it says, it tells us exactly what happens. Then a spirit, I believe this was an evil spirit, came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I'll tell him, I'll persuade him. I'll persuade all 400 of his prophets. Notice his prophets. And the Lord said, Go. Go on. Go persuade him. Go tell Ahab it's going to be fine. He's going to be victorious. Again, when you're going to seek the will of the Lord, you've got to be willing to follow it. When you look for God to give you direction in your life and you look for God to say, Lord, I'm stuck here. I really need to know which way to go. He's not a, a friend that you go to counsel for and you get to choose whether you want to follow it or not. If you're not really, if you don't really have a heart to know what, to follow what God tells you to do, I don't think he's really going to tell you. Why would he tell you? He doesn't need you to to, to just go, well, if I like it, I'll do it. If I don't, then I won't. That's not the way that it works. Uh, Somebody who's under the control of a master does what the master says as a good servant. We as Christians are underneath of the control of the Father, of Christ, and we're going to do what he leads us to, regardless of whether or not it's, it's, it's not a choice. And I can, you may not, you may think in the very beginning, it's not what you want. But as you progress in it, it'll be exactly what you want because he's got your eternal perspective in mind. And he knows what's best for you far better than you know for yourself. So Ahab is here and he's, we're, we're getting a picture of this, in this heavenly realm here. And God tells him, go. And he already knows, he already tells him the outcome. You shall persuade him and also, what? Prevail. You're going to prevail ahab's going to lose the battle i hate to i don't want to break it to you but ahab's going to die tonight not well he died a long time ago but in our in our story he's going to die tonight look verse 23 therefore look the lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours and the lord has declared disaster against you ahab how is it possible that for or, or uh, micaiah how is it possible that 400 people have it have it wrong and you have it right and he tells them, he says, Therefore, now he's speaking. You can just picture the camera. I, I always picture sometimes a movie scene going on. Here's Ahab, now all of a sudden or here's Micaiah. He also he turns to Ahab and he says, Therefore, look. The Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all of these prophets over there. All four hundred of them, they're lying. It's been a, it's been set up by the Lord. They're your prophets, the prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Look what happens. Verse 24. Now Zedekiah, remember him? He's the one that had the horns. He had the props, right? Now Zedekiah, the son of Chena went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said to him, Which way did the Spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? Which, which way did he go? How did he get from me to you? How did that happen? He, he, he smacks him. And Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. So the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and Joash, the king's son, and say, thus the king, thus says the king, put this fellow in prison, feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, if you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, take heed, all you people. So this would be a pretty dramatic scene in a movie, wouldn't it? I mean, you can you can just see this exchange happening between the different prophets, Micaiah and Ahab, and the different prophets, and you can just see how you know Z- Zedekiah comes up and smacks him and says, why well, had the Lord show me how the, show me which direction the Lord left me and went to you." Show, go ahead, show it, point it out to us, Micaiah. And Micaiah says, "You'll see on the day when you're running and hiding for your very life." And then uh, Ahab says, "All right, lock him up, put him, him with the bread of a mean." bread of affliction, just enough bread to keep him alive, just enough water to keep him alive. You keep feeding him, you keep him alive because I want him to see me come back here in peace. You, You go ahead, you keep him back until, it says at the end of verse 27, until I come in peace, until I come in peace. And Micaiah said this to him, if you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And then he turns and addresses the people. And he said, take heed all you people. Pay attention to what you're seeing today. Take heed. Verse 29. We could stop there and come back next week, but it'd be too good. Verse 29. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle. But you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now I'm not sure why Jehoshaphat's following this logic here. I don't know why Jehoshaphat didn't say anything in the first place when this whole exchange is going on between Micaiah and Ahab. Only, the only thing I can suspect is that maybe the Lord's will will be done. And he was just confident in the Lord's will be, Lord's will being done no matter what's going to take place. But yet Ahab says, all right, I'll tell you what, I'm going to dress in street clothes. I'll be undercover. You dress in all your kingly robes and you get up and you get going on your chariot and you, 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 you be the boss and I'm just going to be undercover here in street clothes. You you don't, don't pay. And Jehoshaphat goes, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. Go figure, right? Now, this king of Syria in verse 31 had commanded the 32 captains of his chariots saying, fight with no one small or great, but only with the king of Israel. This is Ben-Hadad. This is the one that should have been dead, by the way. If you don't follow the Lord, your problems are going to bring more problems. He says to his men, listen, don't fight with the other men unless you have to. You go after the king of Syria. I want him dead. The guy that showed me mercy, I want him dead. The guy who said I'd give him his cities back, and apparently he didn't give this one back, I want him dead. Verse 32, so it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat. They're looking for Ahab, remember. They saw Jehoshaphat. They said, surely it's the king of Israel. Therefore, they turned aside to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. He cried out. Now, Second Chronicles chapter nineteen indicates that he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord saved him. Here in verse thirty-three, it happened when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. So the plan that Ahab had worked—they'll chase him. He won't. They'll realize he's not me, and they'll turn and they'll turn away. It worked. Looks like he got off scot-free. Look at verse 34. Now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am wounded. So Ahab's plan is to go undercover and not be seen in the In the battle, and then all of a sudden, when it seems as though he's prevailed or it's worked, it says a certain man. That means a random man. Some random guy takes a bow and an arrow, and he shoots it. And by chance, it says he, he, he. By chance, it says that certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel where between the joints of his armor. So the driver of his chariot, he said to him, turn around and take me and out of the battle. What's the chance of somebody shooting a random arrow into the sky and it, not hitting his armor and bouncing off, but landing in between the joints of his armor in the place where now he's wounded and can't fight anymore? I think that's pretty unlikely that it was an accident, don't you? I'm pretty sure that God's doing something here. So he says to his driver, turn around, take me out of the battle, for I am wounded And the battle increased that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot, facing the Syrians, and died that evening. The blood ran out from the wound onto the floor and floor of the chariot. What do you think old Ahab was thinking of as he watched the battle unfold in front of him and the blood drip out of him? I don't mean to be gross. Do you think it went back to what Micaiah said? Do you think his mind went back to what Micaiah said? I listened to those 400 idiots. And now here I am. I should have listened to the one man of God. I should have listened to the God. But now here I am in a bigger problem. I, he gotta wonder. did he think if I'd have just killed Ben-Hadad in the first place, like God told me to, then I wouldn't be in this situation. But I didn't do it. And now if I'd have just listened to the word of God by not coming up, I didn't do that either. And now here I am watching this unfold. And it says that the blood dripped out onto the floor of his chariot. Verse 36. Then as the sun was going down, a shout went throughout the army, saying, every man to his house and every man to his own country. Exactly what Micaiah said. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. Then someone washed the chariot At the pool of Samaria and the dogs licked up his blood while the harlots bathed according to the word of the Lord which he had spoken. In the previous chapter when Ahab was condemned by God, Naboth was brought to trial. I believe it was in Samaria. Some people think it was down in Jezreel. Some people think the prophecy was left unfulfilled. I think it just tells us where the prophecy was fulfilled, where the trial was, What God said would happen, happened. Exactly what God said. He didn't even die in Samaria. They brought his chariot back to Samaria. They're cleaning it out, and now the dogs are are, are licking up their blood, licking up his blood. Exactly what God said would happen. It's amazing. The evil that Ahab had in his heart, the way that he ruled, the sin that he followed, he, 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 he led the people away from God into idol worship. And now this is what's made of him. Now look what it says in 39. Now the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did, the ivory house which he built and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahab rested with his fathers, then ah- Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. If you want to read the version in Chronicles, it's Second Chronicles chapter 17-19 through 19 of basically what we just read here tonight, and it's pretty close to exactly the same thing. And as we come to the end here, the last several verses in chapter 22, we're going to kind of get an update on what's going on with Jehoshaphat as well as Ahaziah. Jehoshaphat, in verse 41, the son of Asa, had become king over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Ahuzabeth, the daughter of Shilihi. And he walked in the ways of his father Asa. He did not turn aside from them, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for the people offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the high places. In Second Chronicles, if you were to go over there and read a little bit about what Jehoshaphat had accomplished, you'd find that this. I'm just going to read. You don't need to turn there, just listen. Second Chronicles chapter 17, verse 3. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the bales. Verse 6, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. Verse 7, in the third year of his reign, he sent out leaders to teach the cities of Judah. So they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. And they went through all the cities of Judah and they taught the people the law of the Lord. So this is, I just read that from chapter uh, 17. So Jehoshaphat was a pretty good king wasn't perfect. He didn't take down all the high places. He left some of them standing there, but he, he was overall, he walked in the ways of David. He walked in the ways of his father and he was a pretty good King. And uh, looking back at, we left off in verse uh, 30 or verse 46 and the rest of the perverted persons who remained in the days of his father Asa, he banished from the land verse 47 there was then no king in Edom, only a deputy of the king Jehoshaphat made merchant ships to go to Ophir for gold, but they never sailed for the ships were wrecked at ezion Geber. Uh, they didn't he tried to go get gold didn't make it. Then Haziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, "Let my servants go with your servants in the ships but Jehoshaphat would not, which means he learned from his mistakes. I already tried the gold thing. I already tried the navy thing. I built a couple of ships, went to go get gold. They didn't make it. And then, Jeho- and then uh, the, the next king of Israel comes down and says, hey, let's, Jehoshaphat, let's, let's build some ships to go get some gold. And he goes, uh-uh, I learned my lesson there. I've been there, done that. Not, not going to happen again. Then Ahaziah the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, let my servants go with your servants. And he says, no. Verse 50, Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers, was buried in his fathers in the, with his fathers in the city of David's, David his father, then Jehoram, who's going to be the next king of Judah, reigned in his place. So Jehoshaphat overall for, for Judah was a pretty good king. You know, he, had, he had a few, false, few shortcomings, but uh, overall he was a pretty good king. Now let's look at Haziah real quick. Ahaziah the son of Ahab, this is Ahab's son, became king over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned only two years over Israel. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. In other words, he continued leading Israel, God's people, into sin. For he served Baal and he worshipped him and provoked the Lord, God of Israel, to anger according to all that his father had done. So Ahab dies, his son takes over for the next two years, and it's not a whole lot different. Before we close, I want to recapture something, review a little bit something. Ahab had a problem. His problem was a direct result of him not following God's word to him. And instead of repenting, he, he, he did this sort of false inquiry of the Lord. In other words, it becomes a very slippery slope. You ever, You're going to have problems in life. And sometimes those problems might be a result of mistakes that you've made. It might be consequences of sin that you have to deal with. May, you may have just really done something stupid, and now guess what? You have, to, you have to pay the piper, so to speak, and there's going to be consequences there. But then Jehoshaphat's, or Ahab's mistake is, when it comes time to inquire the Lord, he doesn't really want what the Lord wants. He wants what he wants. He wants to do what he wants to do, and he's just looking for God's stamp of approval on his decision. That's not how we're supposed to be. As Christians, we're supposed to decide, I want what God wants. You see, part of my faith is that I know that what God has for me is better than what I could ever do for myself. My faith has to be, I'm going to settle in what God has for me to do. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, that's my desires. I want what He has. And sometimes, you know what you have to do before you get God's direction? You have to wait. You have to wait. You see, we don't like to wait. They didn't like to wait. So it's easier to hire 400 guys that will tell you what you want to hear and you can move out on it. Or it's easier to go to the friend that will tell you. Don't you know that you guys have friends that will tell you exactly what you want to hear? You know, what you, you know based on what friend that you go to what, you're, what, what advice you're going to get, don't you? You know, you know that if you come to me, or I hope you know, you're going to get God's word back to you whether you like it or not. Or if you come to Rebecca, if one of the ladies comes to Rebecca, you're going to get God's word back to you. But you know that there's other friends that you can go to and they're going to, they're going to feel bad for you. And they're going to tell you, oh, it's okay, you know, you're, you're, you're entitled to that. You, you deserve that. You, you feel better. You know, you, you go ahead and, and do that thing. You, 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 you need to feel better about yourself. And they're going to give you that kind of advice and, and you can determine where you get your advice from. But that's like Joseph. I mean, that's like, I keep getting them mixed up. That's like Ahab hiring his 400 prophets. I'm going to go to the prophet. I'm going to go to the person. That's going to tell me what I want to hear. Where you need to go for the guidance of the Lord is to the word of God. That's where you need to go. And if you have to, if you can't find what you want in the word of God, if you can't get the direction from the Lord directly from the word of God, from him to you, and you have to seek counsel, make sure you get it from somebody who's going to refer you back to the word of God. Make sure they're not going to just tell you what you want to hear. Otherwise, you're just like Ahab you just like, maybe you made the same, maybe you made a dumb mistake and you realize, here I am, God's got me in this spot, I, I blew it, and I've been seeking counsel like Ahab, I've been, tell, I've been getting everything I want to hear. It's time that we get counsel from the Lord. As Christians, if we want to make a difference in this nation, and we want to make a difference in our city, and our communities, and our families, we've got to be led by the Lord. We can't just ask the Lord to rubber stamp everything we do and all the decisions we make. We have to say, God, what do you want me to do? And he might want you to do something that's a little bit out of your comfort zone. He might want to stretch you a little bit. He might want to make do you do something that make you do something that, well, it's not quite very comfortable for you. Maybe it's a hard decision for you to make. Maybe he wants to move. Maybe he just wants you to wait a little while. Maybe he says, Well, I'll tell you what I want you to do, but I want you to wait a little while first. How long are you willing to wait? Because that's a pretty good indication of how much you want the Lord's will, isn't it? Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm not moving from this spot until you tell me what your will is? Or do you say, Lord, I'll give you give you three days Lord give you three hours all right I'm going to pray a prayer if you don't tell me by the end of this prayer then I'm done I'm going to make my decision why if you really want to hear from him you're going to wait for him you see oftentimes we don't want to wait he didn't want to wait if you seek the Lord in this superficial manner you're not going to get the Lord's direction you're going to get somebody else's if you decide if you seek the Lord you go Lord I want to buy a new car and if the cars are on sale this Saturday in the paper then I'll I'll know it's from you the cars are always on sale on Saturday in the paper. You already know that's going to happen. That's not seeking the Lord. You know, the question is, how are you going to do it? Because we can see it play out in Ahab's life. And we can see that he lived a very sinful life. His children lived a sinful life. His father lived a sinful life. And there was no repentance in his heart for whatsoever for the things of the Lord. We saw a temporary repentance last week. And God granted him mercy last week, too, because of his temporary repentance. Yet what we see is God coming to him over and over and over again, saying, you know, I put this has happened, this has happened. The Lord's, excuse me, the Lord's waiting for him to repent. And he doesn't. He just wants the rubber stamp of approval. God, will you just stamp my plans? That's not how we need to be. We need to be people of the Lord who say, Lord, I want to know what you have for me. I want what you have and nothing else. I know, I've tasted and I've seen what you have and it is better than anything I could come up with on my own. It is better than what the world could say. I'm not moving from my house. I'm not leaving my job. I'm not doing anything until I know the Lord is directing me in this direction, until I know I'm going. Otherwise, I am staying planted firmly where God has me. Don't be quick to run away and don't be quick to seek prophets that are going to tell you what you want to hear. Don't forget to go for the counsel of the world because we all know depending on the counsel you want, you can go to the right people, and you can get that counsel, exactly what you want to hear, and you're just looking for someone to say, oh, it's okay, go ahead, you deserve that, and, you, and then you can go, look, well, I, somebody told me what I wanted to hear, so I'm good. As Christians, we need to go to the Lord and to the Word of God, and if you've been spending time in the Word of God, and that means prayer, and that means fasting, and you're not getting your answer, then it means wait. You just keep doing exactly what you're doing, and you keep waiting on the Lord until he moves, or he opens the door, or he does the He does a thing. You can can kick the door open, but it's not going to be from him. You can force it open, but it's not going to be from him. And when you get off of his plan, you know what you're bringing? Problems. One problem after another problem after another problem after another problem. You know what that brings in your life? Stress. It brings stress. It brings problems. It brings issues. Jesus said, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. If you're stressed out, you need to really evaluate what's going on in your life. Because I can probably guess that you're not following God in some areas, some aspects, some things going on because you're so stressed out over it. Just be willing to say, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Whatever I can do. The question is, are we willing to do that as people? We can do it here. Yeah, Rob, let's do it. That's us. But will you do it tomorrow? Will you do it the next night? Will you wait a year? for the Lord to tell you? Will you stay planted for five years or 10 years or however long? Will you, will you, will you rest in what he, where he's got you? Will you rest there? And will you be faithful one day at a time? Or is it something that you're going to get tired of? I want to move quicker. I want it done now, Lord. I want it quick. Don't be that way. If you, want, if you really want what God has for you, he wants to give it to you. He does. But you've got to be willing to seek him. You've got to be willing to believe and follow it. It's not just a stamp of approval, and you've got to be willing to wait for it. And I trust me when I tell you, it's worth waiting for, because God's will is going to be problem-free. Well, not always. It's not going to be problem-free, but it's going to be, you're going to be able to endure all the problems without the way, without the way, the, instead of the way the world endures them. I mean, it's not going to be problem free. You'll have the issues and things, but it's going to be a different way of enduring it because you know he has you there, and you're going to learn through it as opposed to the, it's not going to be a result of your mistakes. It's going to be something, he's going to put you in the boat and, the, and send you off, and the storm will happen, and then he'll be there to carry you through it. He'll be there anyways, but you have to realize what got you there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, and I I just look at Ahab's life and it seems like he had so many chances. So many, one chance after another, Lord, and yet he was still so focused on doing what he wanted to do and serving the Baals and all the false gods and leading your people into sin. And Lord, if there's anything in our life, if we're facing a problem, if we're stressed out, Lord, will we just evaluate ourselves? Will we allow you to come in and say, hey, this is the problem. This is the issue. This is the thing. Or we don't want to be people who just... Sit in church and think that we were somebody because we came to church or because we own a Bible. Lord, we want to be people who are led by you. Lord, if you would lead us, there's no telling what you could accomplish in our life. Your ways are far above our ways. Your plans for us are good. They're eternal, they're heavenly. And Lord, as we encounter issues and problems under your guidance, it'll be much easier to navigate because it'll be part of your will. It'll be part of your training plan. It'll be put something you're allowing us to go through. But Lord, if we choose to disobey your word, we're going to see those problems that come along, those issues, those seasons, those trials that come along because we brought them on ourselves. And I wonder how much we bring on ourselves when we didn't really have to. I wonder how many times you've said, just rest. Just rest. And we couldn't sit still, so we brought problems on instead of waiting on you, Lord.